This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Stu does America. Had great debate coverage last night here on Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash Stu. The promo code debate, I think, still works, 25 bucks off. Uh, and then we went to extended coverage on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, like this video right now, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell for notifications, and do all the things. Thousands of you stayed up past midnight talking to me about what just happened in the debate. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time talking to you. Uh, and uh, if you kind of click that bell, you'll know when we do these special things. Uh, Seth Dillon and Joel Berry from the Babylon Bee are here to define gender once and for all. Donald Trump is turning himself in in Georgia. But we start by doing the Republican debate review. We did the preview, and now we're doing the review. And it was an interesting night, none of which I'm about to show you. Why? Because Fox uh, tisked us into not actually showing any clips. Now, of course, this is a ridiculous, ridiculous thing. And you wonder, uh, look, Fox News deserves some blame here, okay? A lot of blame because they're saying, hey, you guys can't show any clips basically of this at all. They say up to three minutes, which, you know, is what, one exchange. Uh, then they also say after seven days, you're not, to pull, you're not allowed to play any of it, including if it's living in your archives. So if we show you anything, they can come sue us next week if we just leave it in there, even if we stay under their dumb three-minute limit. This has never been the way it's, it's been done. Some of these little agreements uh, uh, you know, occur in the digital world. But generally speaking, yeah, nobody enforces them because what's the, what's the point here? Is the point for you to have some exclusive show that no one can see? Um, and I guess you can make the argument from a business practices standpoint, hey, Fox is their footage, they're paying for the debate. Uh, they're just gonna hold everything back and, and you could have to go to Fox News to check out the, the video and you could say, well, from a pure business standpoint, maybe I would understand that, which is one of the reasons why, in addition to Fox News, who deserves blame for this? Also, the RNC deserves blame for this. When you write up an, art, uh, an agreement with a network to carry your debate, what is the, what's the purpose of this from the RNC perspective? The Republican perspective, the whole point of this is to get visibility for your candidates who might be president of the United States pretty soon. So you want that footage carried as many places as it can be. Yeah, Fox gets the exclusive that night. Everyone tunes in to watch it. We all tuned in to watch it on Fox News. But after that, you spread the word with the clips so these candidates can be seen debating these issues, talking about these important things. If the whole point is it for it to be good for the country, you'd expect it to be pretty damn obvious that these clips need to go viral afterward and we need to know who is talking about what. Instead, Fox basically threatened everyone into showing, not showing these clips and is doing some weird ironclad version of their rights deal. And this is something that the RNC needs to be, make part of their negotiation. They need to go and say, hey, I'm sorry, you're not getting this debate if you're going to try to cut off the world for your own personal gain. No. And I hope that gets corrected because it was, it's absolutely ridiculous that I can't show it to you. But I can show you some of the details on it. Uh, and we're going to go through some of the things that happened. First of all, who got the most time? I think 
Honestly, if he would have asked me beforehand, I probably would have said, you know, I bet Vivek Ramaswamy gets a bunch. I bet you know, Rod DeSantis gets a bunch. I bet Chris Christie gets a bunch. What I, not, what I would not have said is that Mike Pence would lead the way. <laughs> Mike Pence, thir- 12 minutes and 37 seconds. Ramaswamy, 11.47. Christie, 11.22. DeSantis in fourth at 10.22. And then Haley, Scott, Burgum, and Hutchinson there, down there at the bottom. What else happened? How else would you summarize this debate? A Washington Post put out an, an interesting graphic, just went through and, and said, who was attacking who all night? Like, which candidate was going after the other candidate? There's a couple really interesting things here. First of all, just sadness for poor Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson. No one attacked them at all. It's kind of sad. Uh, other than that, Ron DeSantis, you know, the front runner in, in this field, outside of obviously Donald Trump, who was not there, was only attacked once by Nikki Haley, the only person who said anything about him. It was Vivek Ramaswamy, who was the uh, focus of attacks from Pence, from Christie, from Scott, from Haley. He was the center of attention, and he was back and forth with a bunch of them. A very odd, odd way this played out. I mean, it, it, honestly, I think if you drop down from, uh, from an alien ship and watch this debate, you'd think for sure Ramaswamy was leading the field. Everyone was going after him. And he got most of the time on stage, or at least a lot of the time on stage. A lot of that Pence time was time where he was fighting with Ramaswamy. A very bizarre, bizarre turn. Now, there were some bizarre claims as well made uh, in this particular debate. Um, And one of them was made by Jen Psaki. Now, uh, you remember her. She's the former presidential uh, spokesperson, press secretary. And she was commenting on something said by Ron DeSantis, who said they were talking about Democrats who want, allow, want to allow abortion uh, until birth. Um, she was torn apart for claiming no one supports abortion through birth. And people pointed out, you worked for the man who does, which is, of course, very true. Here's the tweet. No one supports abortion up until birth. Now, you can maybe play with a language on there and say, OK, supports. I, you know, we want to allow it in the worst circumstance, but no one's supporting, no one's excited about that. Maybe you could twist her words uh, if you really wanted to back her up. Cannot do the same with Al Franken. He said, no one is trying to allow abortions right up to birth, you a-hole DeSantis. Then he said, sorry, I meant you jerk. And then he said, no, a-hole was right. But was it right? Is that true that no one wants to allow abortions up until birth? Very, very strange. Um, the, uh, they went and just, uh, this, uh, the DeSantis uh, war room, which is sort of their online defense uh, site, decided to just put together uh, uh, clips and clips and clips of Democrats saying they exactly want to allow abortion until birth with no restrictions whatsoever. It's a decision to be made between the woman and her doctor, as you know. It's really, really important, the whole libertarian strain of the Democratic Party these days. They just can't, they do not want to get in the way of you and your health care. That will not happen. Uh, and of course, we call that health care in quotes, quotes of death. But here is just a small portion of some of these idiots saying exactly what both Jen Psaki and Al Franken say that they never, ever communicate. Do you support any restrictions on abortion? I don't. I've always believed... Even in the third trimester? Uh, uh, Do you think there should be any limitation on abortions? 
Uh, no, I do not. Virginia's governor says he has no regrets on his comments earlier this week defending abortion, even as a baby is being born. If a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mothers. Are you for the what he said or late-term abortion or the moments that he was talking about? where you would keep a woman comfortable after she was giving birth in case she wanted to abort her third-term child? I don't know all his comments, but what I do know is that I am for a woman having the right to make a choice about her own body. Eight months into pregnancy, should a woman be allowed legally to have an abortion? Again, I've told you I believe women's right to choose, period. Does he support any limits on abortion? He supports the right of a woman to make choices about her own body. Do you support any limitation on abortion, or does it? do you think that women should have the right to have an abortion all the way up to nine months? That should be a choice made between a doctor and a woman. You do it by not setting arbitrary gestational limits. I mean, on and on and on. That, the video is over five minutes long. That was just a minute of it. Uh, completely ridiculous. Everyone on earth knows this is the Democratic Party position, with almost no exceptions. They, if you're just saying, well, I think it should be up to the woman to do it whenever they want, that means you don't have restrictions on it legally, and that's, of course, what we're talking about here. Um, Ramaswamy was maybe the big standout here, at least, I think, for most people. There's two ways I saw this from Ramaswamy. Uh, if you were someone who watches The Blaze every day, and you know, you, you've seen you know, Vivek Ramaswamy on this show and on the radio show a million times, and you're used to him, and he's, you know, you knew he was a really good communicator, and he's the type of guy who would be good in this type of environment. Maybe you saw our Iowa event just a couple months ago. He, I mean, he owned the room there. I think if you come from that perspective, the, the Blaze viewer perspective, you may have been a little bit underwhelmed by his performance. Uh, some people found it a little bit uh, jarring at times, a little fake at times, uh, a little car salesman-y at times. He certainly had some really good moments. I feel like he won some of these battles, lost some of these battles. Um, but it was interesting from that perspective. I think if you had never seen him before, you might find him. You might find some of those, you know, I don't know, uh, characteristics a little bit annoying. But honestly, you probably were like, wait a minute, who is this guy? Uh, this guy is, he's out of nowhere. He's doing a good job. He's fighting with all these big names that I do know. Uh, he, maybe he's pretty good. I think he did. He grew quite a bit because of that particular uh, situation, people being introduced to him for the first time. Now, he had some good moments, I think some bad moments. I'll give you a bad moment first. Um, Trump, by the way, has crowned Ramaswamy the winner. Why? For praising him. And there was a really weird moment in the middle of this debate where, you know, uh, Ramaswamy said, you know, Donald Trump had been the best president of his lifetime. I like, look, I, you can, uh, you know, if that's what your belief is, that's what your belief is. But why are you running? I, I don't understand. He's, uh, you know, Donald Trump's in the race. You know, if, if you think he's the best of your lifetime, he's got one term left. Maybe he should do it. He seems amazing. I mean, I can understand being complimentary to some of Donald Trump's achievements and giving an honest assessment of his record. But to sit there and, and act like he's the you know, greatest president of all time when you're in the race supposedly running against him, it's almost like you're not running against him. And I think a lot of people picked that up. 
On the other hand, he had he did get screwed as well, Vivek Ramaswamy, in a, in a real way. Everyone reported this basically the same way. Daily Beast, Vivek Ramaswamy booed after calling climate change a hoax during the GOP debate. You, would, of course, expect nothing less from the Daily Beast to screw this up. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy calls climate change a hoax during GOP debate. Vivek Ramaswamy calls climate change a hoax. Uh, during the debate. And you think, oh, wow, that's interesting. How about this one? Republican deb- debate. Rep- uh, Ramaswamy booed after calling climate change a hoax. And hoax is in, cap, uh, in quotes in all of these headlines, but it wasn't just that part quoted. Many of these uh, went even farther. GOP candidates refused to say climate change is caused by humans. Vivek Ramaswamy calls it a hoax. And uh, they went that far. But in the articles, often they had the entire thing in a quote in quotes where he said it was the, he basically said climate change is a, quote, a hoax and quote. Well, I remember watching the debate. I watched it. Did you watch it? He didn't say that. He said the climate agenda was a hoax. The climate change agenda was a hoax, which is pretty consistent with what he wrote in the book. Now, he got dinged by you know, the same uh, DeSantis defense agency there on that one. And it's, it wasn't fair. He did not say that. He used the term agenda. And that does actually match up pretty closely to what he talked about in his book. Um, and Politico, by the way, did issue a correction on that. The sweet tweet replaces an earlier deleted tweet to correct Vivek Ramaswamy's quote on climate change because they talked about climate change agenda. That's yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Not, you know, I don't think the Republican, the typical Republican voter think really cares. Honestly, if you think climate change is a hoax, you may very well believe that. But Vivek Ramaswamy's on record saying he thought it was real just a few weeks ago. So it makes it seem like, oh, my gosh, he's flip flopping for his audience. In reality, he didn't. He was OK on that one. He said climate change agenda very clearly. Um, so what who actually won this debate? Who was the who are the winners? It was interesting to see what we got from the media and then what we got from the actual polls measuring from actual voters who won the debate. They were totally different things. Uh, The winners and losers from the first Republican debate. Uh, The Washington Post uh, says... Losers, Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, ceded center stage to Ramaswamy for most of the night, and that's not what he needed. If he had beneficial moments, they were, uh, were then when he positioned himself with the anti-COVID shutdown candidate. He also uh, sought subtle contrast with Trump, citing his landslide Florida re-election win in 2022 and saying you can't uh, take in someone like uh, Fauci and coddle him. But this is also a guy who badly needs to arrest his steady slide in the race. He needed this debate more than anyone, but it just wasn't memorable in any way, shape or form. Uh, Over on MSNBC, uh, who won the debate? Uh, Well, a loss. They say Vivek Ramaswamy won the debate. A loss, though, for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. His most potent attack of the night was in response to a high school student concerned about the impacts of climate change in the wake of unprecedented weather events. But his most consistent characteristic was impotence. Impotence. He continually failed to seriously confront Trump, even prompting moderator Brett Baer to remind him former President Trump is beating you by 30 or 40 points in many polls. It was a body blow felt around Milwaukee's Pfizer forum. But honestly, it feels like a capitulation built into DeSantis's imploding campaign. By the way, uh, they did um, in this same article, they said Ramaswamy wins this honor for a lie saying both the climate change agenda is a hoax and these are politicized indictments. But he didn't. This is the whole thing is in quotes. The climate change agenda is a hoax. Now, at least it says that. That's nice to see. They actually quoted him accurately. Let me give you a little bit more. This is from ABC News on their podcast. Uh, Start here. What do they think 
Who do they think won? Who do they think had a great day? I think Mike Pence has to be thrilled with his performance on stage. Hmm. I, I think the American people deserve to know whether everyone on this stage agrees that I kept my oath to the Constitution that day. There's no more. You had the other candidates, uh, most of them praising what he did on January 6th, even Ron DeSantis reluctantly getting to the point. I've, I've answered this before. So, yes. No, why are we, he, Mike, Mike did his duty. I got no beef with him. But here's Chris Christie going out there and, and very affirmatively, forthrightly saying, look, we should applaud him. Mike Pence stood for the Constitution. And he deserves not grudging credit. He deserves our thanks as Americans. And I think Pence took the opportunity for, for the contrast, and I think uh, really had exactly the kind of night he wanted. Now, look, I mentioned this uh, on the coverage last night. I think he did better than he did in Iowa, uh, which was a real catastrophe for Pence. I thought he did better last night. He was at least aggressive, and he was in the middle of the debates. But, like, citing that he had a great night because Chris Christie praises him— both of these guys have really high negatives among voters. I don't see how that really helped him. I mean, look, it was good for him that everybody on stage, every single other candidate said he did the right thing on January 6th. But I don't know if it was a great night for Pence. It's not at least what I thought, not, not what I saw. And then uh, once again, uh, they were all in unison, the entire media last night, that Ron DeSantis was the one big failure. The name we've barely said here is Ron DeSantis. What happened with him in this debate? Or like, what role did he play in this debate? I think what happened with Ron DeSantis was exactly what a lot of people thought would happen with Ron DeSantis, which is he'd go out there, deliver, deliver his talking points, talk about his record in Florida, and not light the stage on fire. And you didn't see much spark from him. Mm, okay, so DeSantis, big failure, big winners of the night, Mike Pence and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Well, the Vivek Ramaswamy thing, I think, was pretty clear because he was a he dominated the debate. And while he had some good moments and some bad moments, he wanted to be in the middle of stuff. And I can understand why you might say, all right, well, DeSantis wasn't really in the middle of a lot of this stuff. But when you're head of everybody on the stage, not being attacked can be pretty good, too. And I thought DeSantis came off pretty well. He was he wasn't super flashy. I get that. But I think he nailed what he was talking about and, and showed his record and, and did the job that he needed to do. And the funny thing is, when they actually got to the point where they were doing polls on this, it's basically what they found. Who had the best debate performance? This is from the Daily Mail. First place, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, 28%. Ron DeSantis in second place, 27%. Now, Mike Pence was in third, but way back at 13%. Tim Scott and Nikki Haley, 8 and 7%. Chris Christie at 4 Bergam at 3 Asa Hutchinson at 2 uh, The Washington Post has a poll out today as well. Our Republican debate find, uh, poll finds that who? Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy won. 29% said that Ron DeSantis won the debate. Vivek Ramaswamy was second with 26%. At 15% was Nikki Haley, which is better than I thought she did. I Honestly, like watching Nikki Haley, I didn't think it was her best performance. I thought she was better in Iowa than she was uh, on the stage last night. Had a really, I thought, bad uh, answer on abortion, but she actually seemed to, uh, the, the polling disagreed with me on that one, um, at least in this particular poll. 7% said Mike Pence performed best with 4% for Chris Christie, Tim Scott, and then 1% for Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson. 538 today, an interesting poll as well. And they, they asked this, they did something a little bit different. They said, are you considering a candidate? And they asked this question before the debate, 
And then they asked the question again after the debate. So who gained your consideration? Who lost your consideration? And this has an interesting nugget uh, for Donald Trump in it. So uh, DeSantis went from 63% to 67.5%. So 4.5% more people are now considering him in this particular poll. Donald Trump dropped from 66.2 down to 61.4%. Kind of interesting, you know, it was, this is the risk of not showing up to the debates. You're letting everyone else dominate the attention, dominate the stage. And maybe there's people who think, hey, you know, I like Trump. I would consider somebody else. Maybe they see that and they think, well, you know what? I actually really like DeSantis or I really like somebody else. Uh, Haley was the biggest jump in this poll, by the way. She went from uh, just about 30 percent up to about 49 percent. Ramaswamy went up as well from 41 to about 48. Tim Scott went up just slightly. He really was a non-factor, I thought, last night. And I I just don't I don't think he has the chops that to to win a campaign like this. it just doesn't seem like he can quite nail it, but he went from 41 to 43. Pence went up a little bit too, 21 to 23 percent, considering him. Christie up from 18 to 22. Burgum up from four to 12, which okay. Um, and then uh, Hutchinson from uh, 8.5 to 9.4 percent. But the other two candidates that did not make the stage, Will Hurd and uh, uh, Francis Suarez from Miami, both of them went down. In the poll, and it, it was—it's a, a pretty interesting way of looking at this. I think we got a, an interesting debate last night. We got some actual um, debate on issues and policy, and those things seem to have escaped us for the past—I don't know how many terms here. Um, I think it's good to get back to that. I think when Donald Trump kind of you know, wants to come in, you know, the focus is going to naturally change to Trump. A lot of the questions are going to be about his behavior and all this other crap. I did like getting at least one debate where it was mainly about policy and disagreements on policy so you can see who you think would be the best in this field. There's a lot to think about over the next 15 months, and this is just the very beginning, but we do appreciate you joining us here. We're going to give you the best coverage that we can. And if you join us over on YouTube.com slash America, we do all sorts of bonus coverage as well. You're not going to get anywhere else. Seth Dillon and Joel Berry from the Babylon Bee join us next. So Wall Street, they tell you to put your money in an IRA or 401k. And sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. You don't know what's going to happen with the markets, right? It's risky. And, you know, a lot of people call it the Wall Street casino because it feels like sometimes you're just gambling. Uh, Studies show for the average American who follows that advice uh, and just puts your money in Wall Street, you will outlive your savings by 10 years. Not ideal. Suboptimal, as they say. Bank on Yourself is a guaranteed and predictable retirement plan alternative that gives you 100% control of your money, plus tax-free income in retirement. There's no luck, there's no skill, there's no guesswork required. Your plan doesn't go backward when the markets tumble. Uh, you can both you get both your principal and your growth, get, get it locked in. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Bank on Yourself is a strategy that famous businesses like McDonald's used when no banker would lend them a dime, and almost anyone can do this. It's a built-in inflation protection, an ultimate peace of mind for your retirement. Do you want guaranteed, predictable annual growth? Do you want control of your money? Do you want to be able to take tax-free retirement uh, income? That's a really nice benefit of this, too. Bankonyourself.com slash stew. They'll send you a free report with a proven retirement plan alternative that banks and Wall Street are desperately hoping you never hear about. Bankonyourself.com slash stew. Get your free report right now at bankonyourself.com slash stew. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... 
a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm joined now in studio by Seth Dillon, CEO of The Babylon Bee, and Joel Berry, Babylon Bee managing editor and co-author of The Babylon Bee's Guide to Gender, which drops on September 19th. Be sure to get your pre-orders in today because you need to know what gender you might be. Seth and Joel, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having us on. Thank you for having us. We were just uh, talking about the debate, and uh, it's kind of a, a little bit of a circus. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I mean, the <laughs> guy in first place wasn't there. Everyone was yelling at us like a 30-year-old no one knew about two weeks ago. Uh, you know, Doug Burgum. So there's a lot to kind of <laughs> just say his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, just his name. I do think, though, the deep state took out Doug Burgum's Achilles. Do you yeah. guys have any comments on that? <laughs> yeah, he, he was, the, uh, he was the, the dark horse that was, that was going to take over the race, and they, they throttled him for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, were you surprised? I mean, you wrote a book about gender and how bizarre the situation is. It's the main cultural issue, uh, you know, one of the biggest ones, this fundamental truth, men are men or women are women, and they didn't ask one question about it. Yeah, I thought it was weird. I think a lot of people, a lot of people noticed it too. It wasn't like yeah. it just went unnoticed and it was, it was uh, you know, it just expected that they would glaze over this. I think a lot of people were like, why are there no questions about, specifically about like wokeness, but then more specifically the gender issue. You know, yeah. you make parents who are fired up about this stuff right now. It is, I think, the cultural conflict of our time. And to not have it brought up at all was kind of insane to me. Yeah. And it's a winning issue too, which is wild. You know, I mean, this is this is an issue that the GOP should have like lock stock yeah. in. I mean, like there's no reason why not why you wouldn't bring that up. I mean, it ties to our kids, right? I mean, it's about fundamentally it's about education and basic human truths. Yeah. And the fact that they wouldn't go to it, it, it just seems odd and I think it's there's some level of it where this issue feels, it is a winning issue, but it feels like a losing issue when you watch the media, right? Mm -hmm. They are constantly making you feel like a hate monger if you discuss this stuff at all. But when you talk to actual people in actual life, they are on the side of conservatives. And I feel like that's rare. It, it happens like once a millennium. Some of them have a record. Like DeSantis, I'm sure, would have loved to talk about his record, going after Disney, uh, fighting on behalf of parental rights. And they had no opportunity to do that. And I didn't get an opportunity to see how other people would react to that or what their position is or how it might differ from his. So We did get to hear how they'll all protect us from climate change, though, which yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I was wondering, what network is this on? But what they I think mean, what, about UFOs. UFOs. <laughs> that, that question got in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know how that happens. It was a, whole, it was a very strange uh, yeah. situation. It, so let me step back here from the gender thing for a second and just talk about your approach here. Because your approach is not right. There's great books about gender and all the uh, incredible like facts about this. And there's, there is a lot out there. There's nothing like this, though. This book is it's really, really funny and really well done. It's illustrated. It's something you want to have just around it to, to, when you're on your coffee table, when your friends come over, just they're going to flip through it and think it's hilarious. You guys have done the comedy thing here for a while, and I think you've changed minds. You've changed a lot here. You've changed the culture, which is really, really important. Comedy can't just be a, a liberal practice. Yeah, no. I mean, they've dominated it for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of the reason why the B is so successful is because someone is finally willing to make those jokes you're not supposed to make from the other side. Yeah. This book, though, was born 
because we have this, you know, up until recent history when science was invented just a few years ago and we discovered that men can get pregnant and that women can suffer from <laughs> testicle injuries. Right, right. Um, everybody was a bigot who thought that there were only men and women. Yeah. We were all backwards and, and stupid and quite frankly evil. Mm -hmm. So this book is an answer to the problem of everyone's bigotry trying to open our eyes to the infinite gender spectrum that's there and understand exactly where you fit into that spectrum. And you can even take quizzes and everything to figure out, are you a man, are you a woman, are you one of the other, how many other genders? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, well, the book's outdated already. Oh, it's out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've already the added you put a genders. number to it, you know, yeah. then it's... There's always more. That's well. That's why you have the the, 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 the was it the generator. You can gender. You can generate genders on your own. You've got that's, a great list of you. Right. Pick one from each column. That's right. And, and you can make up a brand new gender. And it can change day to day. And I think that you know that's one thing that's kind of been missing from the conversation. There's been great scholarship on on the right, kind of dismantling this whole terrible ideology. But um, we also need some disrespect because this ideology deserves no respect. So we really our writers just kind of unleashed it. I always say that when you look at our content on the site, you see our headlines and our articles. That's us at our most mature and restrained. Oh, wow. Um, in this book, we were just completely immature. You can't and, get banned for anything we uh, say in this book. Exactly. So we put it all in there and, and gave uh, the ideology all the respect it deserves, which is none. Yeah. So why is comedy important? Well, you know, it's uh, for one, we need it. I mean, as human beings, it's good for the soul. We need to laugh, especially in times like this when there's so much in our culture to be woeful and, and wring our hands about. But the other thing, too, is like, like you said, um, the left has been adept at using comedy politically for a long time. Saul Alinsky said that uh, laughter... Mockery is one of the most potent political weapons. Uh, Mark Twain said that against the assault of laughter, nothing can stand. Um, and uh, when you can when you can employ that effectively, you know, not in a way that you're you're you know you're putting politics first, but you're really trying to to be true to to you know the art of writing comedy and, and make people laugh. Um, you can squeeze some points in there too, and and it can be really effective. There are mockable ideas you know, very mockable ideas that are considered untouchable. Yeah. Not supposed to joke about them. If you do, like, that's the problem that we had on Twitter was we made a joke you weren't supposed to make. You know, uh, Admiral Rachel Levine was named uh, Woman of the Year by USA Today. Mm -hmm. And we jokingly named Rachel Levine our pick for Man of the Year. Mm -hmm. It was considered misgendering. It's considered hateful conduct. But these are the kinds of things, that's how you, it, that's how you push back on these bad ideas yeah. is, by, is to, by taking shots at them, right? Yeah. And they're trying to outlaw that. So, um, you know, uh, we do everything that we can to push back on that and try to embolden other people to do that. And it's encouraging to see that there are some people on the left who are still willing to make those kinds of jokes. I think Dave Chappelle has, has really challenged a lot of this stuff. Bill Maher. There's a, there's a number of comedians who are still willing to, to joke about these mockable things. And they're going to draw an audience doing that because when you have insanely mockable ideas, if you're not touching them, you're not allowing yourself to be funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that that story up where you guys got banned. I had a, a heart attack moment right around that time because you guys had that big story. It came out and you were banned right around the same time. It must have been very, very close to the same day. I did a bit on this show where I named Leah Thomas the woman of the year, just sarcastically praising her for being better than other women. Yeah. Like, I, this, she's totally much, I don't know what's the difference, but she's much, much better than all other women. And I opened up my, uh, my you know, Twitter or whatever and, and looked at it and I saw, you know, I just saw of the year and banned and I was like, oh no, like they saw it. You thought it was you. Everyone was talking about you guys and I thought it was me. So uh, it's just us. And I was like, you know, these guys over at the Babylon Bee, they're going too far. And uh, um, the comedians thing is interesting because like, you look back at history, right, and you find that 
there, most of the time, there were people who would mock, mock both sides, right? You go back to, and the Simpsons did that expertly uh, for a time. Even SNL did it where they were, would hit uh, the left. They would go after these crazy cultural things. And now, you know, you just name some comedians, but you can name them in 10 seconds, uh, the people who are actually willing to do this. There's so much material out there to be mocked, and this entire industry has just abandoned half of it. I mean, it really is a strange phenomenon, even from just a self-interest perspective. Yeah, yeah, they're not even helping. I, I think like late night TV is unwatchable right now, mm. and they're going. I, I love the term that somebody coined for what they're doing. They're going for clapter, which is like the applause of affirmation yeah. instead of like just the laughter of like they're not trying to get people to laugh. They're trying to get people to stand up and cheer. Yeah, which is crazy. It's like they're they're undermining themselves. I think ultimately because people don't want to watch that. Mm. And there was a switch, I, you know, in 2016 when Trump was running. There, I, it seemed Is that like the this, line? that seemed like when a lot of these comedians mm-hmm. made the switch. And the Babylon Bee was founded in 2016, so it was it was great for us because suddenly you had this president that was driving the left and every comedian out there absolutely crazy, and and we could make fun of Trump in a in a good natured way, in a way that wasn't coming from a place of hate and despair like a lot of these other comedians uh, were, and. And it was, it, I think, was a big source of our popularity early, early on. Yeah, I, I'm just fascinated by watching back these shows. I mean, I, I was a big fan of Mr. Show back in the day with yeah. Bob, David, David, uh, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. And I was watching an old sketch just the other day, and it's a sketch about they're doing a, a, basically a hate group where they're talking about how they're going to take over the world, Operation Hell on Earth. And it's everyone in the hate group is all, all different races. Like there's a Jewish person and there's an Indian guy. And, and like they're all just joking about how ridiculous this would be. And it, Bob Odenkirk is in the, in, the, in the sketch. He's playing the Indian guy. And I don't know if you'd say he's got a, a very light brown face. He's <laughs> playing an Indian guy. They don't have an Indian guy in the cast. And this was totally acceptable. Now, years and years later, Odenkirk's certainly very liberal, mm. but like these things don't even last. They, they're pulling episodes of "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" off of uh, you know uh, um, Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reboot of Mr. Show that came for Netflix. There's a sketch in there where they use like blackface, but again, to illustrate a point that racism is really bad. That yeah. dumb people are the ones who would do these types of things, and of course, Canadian leaders. So. Why can't we be adults here? I think the powers that be have decided that humor is a threat, and it's it's really just speech control. You know, if, if if these jokes undermine the narrative that they're trying to put out there, if you're allowed to mock it, then you undermine it, and if you undermine it, then it will lose its its power over people. Uh, and so, rules are put in place, speech codes are put in place. You know, conduct is reinforced, and I think it's a problem. Comedians don't have to go along with it, but so many of them feel pressured to. Yeah. You know, Bill Maher had said that it, fi- it feels like he's walking around on a roof with a blindfold on. He never knows when he's going to step off the edge and get canceled for something he's saying. He doesn't even know where that could come from because what you could get canceled for tomorrow might be something you're saying today that's fine. So um, I, I don't know. I think it's speech control ultimately. And I, I also think that you know. W- we make fun of people we love. You know, we 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 rib each other. Sure. You know, whether it's our friends, our, our family, our wives and husbands, um, and I think that the past, when you look at some of the the humor that you know happened between racial groups and, and gender groups, that came from a more healthy culture. You know, there there wasn't a lot of these divisions that you see today. Oh, um, you, where you, you used to be able to tell jokes and ha- and and basically rip on people in the audience, and they wouldn't come on stage and punch you in the face. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they would actually laugh at themselves, and we've lost that ability to even laugh at ourselves. We take everything so seriously. Now it's like we need a safe space. You can't offend me. I have a right to not be offended. Where did that come from? Yeah. We've invented this right to not be offended. And I think comedians who like 
shy away from telling the jokes they're not supposed to tell are themselves a joke because that's the job that they should be doing and they should be pushing back on that stuff. Yeah, and I'm worried too. Like we, the, a lot of the comedians we talk about, you know, people like you know Bill Maher and, and Dave Chappelle, and there's 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 several others, but they're sort of elder statesmen, right? Like yeah. they can get away with this crap because they've been around forever. They sell out everywhere. They make unlimited amounts of money for whoever they sign. Rogan's another example. Rogan's another, there. Yeah, yeah, another really good example. But there's a time limit on that, right? Like, uh, these guys get older. They, they all of a sudden become dinosaurs. They get thrown out. You know, they're, they're not going to be doing this for much longer. I mean, are there people up and coming that are going to press, you know? And we have Dave Landau here who's really, really funny. There's some. But are there people who are coming up uh, to actually push back against this? I think there only will be if, if, the, if the people who have those platforms now use them to embolden other people. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to show people that, yes, you can make these jokes. In fact, you should make these jokes. Not just you should, you have to. Because if you don't, then people take bad ideas seriously. And if they take bad ideas too seriously, then we have catastrophic consequences. Mm. Well, you guys are doing this, uh, and that's, we're really thankful for it. Seriously, I, you, know, you, you brighten up a lot of people's days. So thank you for doing that. And this one's very, very funny. It's called The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender, the Comprehensive Handbook to Men, Women, and Millions of New Genders We Just Made Up. See, that was good. You just kept it broad at the front. You said millions, so you can't be outdated. Seth Dillon and Joel Berry from The Babylon Bee. Uh, be sure to get that book. And it's out on September 19th but you can pre-order it right now and make sure you do. Uh, It's important to support this kind of work or it will go away, I promise you uh, that. Guys, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thank you. Thank you. If you ever bought or sold a house in your lifetime, you know that the process can be really overwhelming. Uh, on the selling end, it's hard to know, you know what things you should focus on the most, you know, to get the deck repaired, to get the, replace the carpets, the roof. Do you have to fix that before you sell it? Can you screw the next person by just leaving it the same way? Um, there's also, of course, uh, colors and design items and all this stuff. Who knows? And on the buying end, you have to think about what you want going in. Is it the right neighborhood? It is a big decision, and if you do screw it up, you're living in a hellhole somewhere. So what do you do? Uh, these, there's a million things to think about. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a great place to go to get off to the right step. Why? Well, these are real estate agents that are already screened. They are the best in, in your area. They, they know how to do a business or do a deal with a, with a handshake. They know how to, uh, to look at every single little bit of detail and help you get to the best decision possible. The site is called realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a, it's a site that Glenn created years ago, and it's been around for a while now. It's a free service to you. So get in touch with the best agent in your town, realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Donald Trump is surrendering in Atlanta, and uh, the big, uh, this is the one we get the, uh, the picture we're going to get a mugshot of Donald Trump. It's going to be so exciting, and I'm thrilled about it. Have you seen how many people on the left are just like just giddy to see this picture? First of all, it's just going to look like a picture of him. You guys know that, right? Like, you know, it's, it's not a nude. I, I don't know what you're, what you're so excited about. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Would you feel that way if a Democrat was getting arrested? I don't know. If Hunter Biden was getting arrested, would you be, like, super excited to see his mugshot? You might be super excited he's going to prison or he's being arrested, but, like, his mugshot? 
I mean, I, it might be funny for a minute, but I, they're super excited about it. They want to put it on T-shirts. And, of course, the right is also going to put it on T-shirts, celebrating it, because this is just what society is these days. Everyone, everyone looks for their little meme. So there you go. Uh, by the way, also there's a, an odd thing where Kenneth Cheesebro, he's one of the 19 defendants. He's requested, he's he filed uh, uh, for a, a speedy trial. It's his right to have a speedy trial. So they're going to try to get this started really quickly, October 23rd, because they want to charge them all together. Now, it's a very complicated case, and every report I've read so far says it's unlikely that that will actually be granted, despite it actually being Cheeseboro's right. Um, but, hey... When's the last time anyone cared about rights in this country? You probably had some, uh, during COVID, you probably ordered, I had toilet paper I ordered and it, it was supposed to come in from China. And then it came in like eight months later and it was actually not, no, it, was, it wasn't toilet paper, it was paper towels. And then it came in like eight months later. And when it came in, it was just toilet paper. And they charged us like $80 for it. I, I uh, protested that one uh, mightily uh, to my credit card, which did not actually accept my claim. Those bastards. Anyway, I, I ditched the card after that. Point is, if the supply chain goes away, what do you do? And what if it's something more important than paper towels? Maybe it's antibiotics. Well, you're going to want a Jace case. Jace case from Jace Medical is a great way to keep yourself prepared. For the worst, uh, it is really just a pack of five courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses. It's a great way to be ready for shortages, and it's perfect for traveling as well, especially if you're going overseas. You don't want to deal with some of these medical systems. JaceMedical.com. Enter the code Stu at checkout. JaceMedical.com. J-A-S-E. Medical.com. It's the Jace case from Jace Medical. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when the relative versus absolute risk enforcement action squad comes for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when the relative versus absolute risk enforcement action squad comes for you? Relative versus Absolute Risk Enforcement Action Squad is filmed on location with the men and women of Relative versus Absolute Risk Enforcement. All suspects are assumed guilty and will be tortured beyond the fullest extent of the law. It's really impossible to describe how dumb this bit is and how much I love it. Like, both things are completely true. Uh, relative versus Absolute Risk. The media tries to scare you all the time with Relative Risk. It's increased this percentage. But what you need to know, of course, is the absolute risk. What's the actual chance here that something is going wrong? Latest example of this comes from the world of COVID-19. You may know about a COVID surge that's happening right now. You're seeing headlines of people putting masks back on again. It's about to get super duper ugly. And who knows? Maybe it will. Maybe we'll all die from COVID all over again. Who knows? But what I will say is the actual surge they're talking about, when you talk about relative risk, sure, there is an increase from what it was. But when you talk about absolute risk, you would find something a little bit different. This uh, graph comes from David Zweig. He's uh, one of the few reporters who has had anything 
sensible to say about COVID over the past few years. And let me show you the graph that he's talking about. This is the hospital, not just tests, because people would say, oh, no one's testing anymore. That's why you don't see any big bumps. No, these are hospital admissions. So these are the people going to hospital. And the surge that's currently happening, you see way over on the right of the screen at the very, very bottom. What you are basically having is an increase from the lowest level of hospitalizations on record during the pandemic, and it's increased to the lowest level on record since the beginning of the pandemic. You can barely see the little bump. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny little increase. And who knows? You never know with this stuff. Maybe it will increase. Maybe this will be some really terrible story in the future. But man, there's very few indications that that's actually the case. And when you focus on relative risk, has it gone up from what we had already? You can freak out with these numbers. When you look at absolute risk, you realize that it's something totally different. We have a very small risk. COVID is not everywhere right now. It is not like all the other times we've faced this stuff. And honestly, even if it were really out of control, people still wouldn't be listening to your advice anymore anyway. Had a great time covering the debate last night. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash Stu, promo code is Stu, or on YouTube.com slash Stu Does America. Some comments for you. It's a good thing that Glenn changed Stu's name from, to Steve so that we wouldn't confuse Dace and Bergier. Very key. I'm sure he knew that 20 years in advance. I agree with Steve's remark regarding looking forward, not backward. But clearly Vivek is far better with a vision for America. DeSantis is okay, but beholden to large donors. That can't be ignored. Uh, next uh, comment, this debate format is obsolete. Fox attempted to control the narrative. Too many people on stage. I, I definitely agree with that. Nobody could explain and expand on their points. I mean, 12 minutes was the most time any candidate got last night. And this is kind of silly. And uh, I, um, uh, Maureen writes, uh, I would love to see more individual vlogs from you. Great takeaways. Thank you. We're going to be doing more of those. And we're going to be doing them on YouTube.com slash America. Go there and follow the page. If you go there, you not only get this show every day, we get some really exciting stuff right around the corner, like maybe tomorrow. So you're going to want to check that out as well and click the bell for notifications. So when we go live randomly in the middle of a big news story, you can join us and we can break it down together. We'll see you tomorrow.